immersive audio podcast. In conversations with industry thought leaders, practitioners, artists, academics, and entrepreneurs, discussing all aspects of this rapidly evolving industry, from art, science, and business to practical insights and project case studies. We aim to inform, educate, explore, and unite the community. This episode is sponsored by Holoplot, the technology that features the award-winning X1 Matrix speaker array and integrated software that enables 3D audio beamforming and wavefield synthesis. Holoplot is pivoting the revolution in sound control that allows for a completely new way of designing and experiencing immersive audio on a large scale. To find out more, visit holoplot.com. Hello and welcome to the Immersive Audio Podcast, episode 77, with me, your host, Oliver Cadell and Monica Bowles. Hi, Monica. It's been a while. Hello. I know. We've both been off uh, gallivanting. Indeed. Well, I've been just head down working, but you've been up traveling, um, going to Nam. Why don't you tell us more? Yeah. So I got to go to Nam just a few weeks ago. Um, for those that don't know, it's a big uh, kind of convention for uh, um, merchants in the audio engineering space. But uh, um, yeah, it was it was really fun. I ran into Nuno um, from Sound Particles there. Um, he's got a great new plugin that they they just came out with, uh, Skydust. It's a new synthesizer. I'm really excited about it. I feel like it's everything I've been looking for in my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> but mostly just, uh, you know, allowing you to be able to create um, spatial audio synthesized sounds um, and move them around and pan them around and such. Um, yeah, also saw some, you know, a panel with uh, um, we ha- about immersive audio. You had, uh, you know, some great, great panelists there. We have some people from Mach 1 and Spatial talking about, you know, kind of the future of immersive audio. And lots happening also within the AI space um, as far as AI music, not necessarily spatial audio related, but um, definitely a huge conversation topic at this year's NAM and how AI is going to influence the future of music. Amazing. Yeah, let, better not go to AI topic at the moment. I've been recently addicted to chat GPT, uh, literally asking everything on earth. And <laughs> yeah, it's taking the world by storm for sure. Yeah, sounds like you had fun. Sounds like you also met quite a few of our previous guests. Yep. I got to meet Hugo Laren from uh, uh, Spat Revolution in person for the first time. So that was fun. And um, yeah, I got to meet some old guests and some potential new guests. So uh, we'll keep everybody updated and lo- lots of people in the music industry just kind of hanging out, checking out all the new new gear coming out this year, new softwares and all of that stuff. So I must say I've never been to NAM. Obviously, I, I hear a lot about it, generates a lot of buzz and noise every year. And I have a rough understanding what it is like and uh, been to similar shows. Was it the first time you went or you've been to some before? I guess the question I'm asking, if you've noticed any kind of um, difference when it comes to the presence of um, spatial audio related brands, products, technology specifically. So I've been to the one in Nashville, which is much smaller and definitely more guitar centric lots of guitars <laughs> um, and you know this 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 one uh is the one that happens in anaheim that just happened and uh that one it's much bigger it's huge actually and we have like tons of uh yeah there's just so many different booths like you couldn't get to everything in one day it was you know definitely a crazy um experience uh, slightly overwhelming but um 
uh, as far as, you know, like there's still kind of limited. I wouldn't say there is like a, a huge, huge, uh, like spatial audio presence, but there was, you know, a, somewhat of a spatial audio pre- presence there. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of, you know, who, what, what developers, uh, you know, keep going to these things and kind of promoting the stuff that they're doing in these spaces. Okay, let's move on to our interview, because today we've got three exciting guests. First, Reese Kirsch. Reese has been working within the performance art sector for over a decade in a variety of roles, including head of sound for some of the largest performing arts productions in the world. And most recently, as performing arts segment manager, he's very aware of narrative around immersive and what it means to deliver the right tech to empower the creative content rather than distract from it. Our second guest is Natalia Stepanchik. Natalia is the segment manager for immersive experiential applications at Holoplot. She has a design and consultancy background and previously worked with loudspeaker manufacturer Genelec. Natalia specializes in audio system design and acoustics for experiential audience within the themed entertainment and experiential sectors. And last but not least, famous Gareth Fry. Gareth is a sound designer with decades of experience, best known for his cutting-edge work in theatre and his collaborations with many leading UK theatre directors and companies. His work includes over 20 productions at the National Theatre, over 20 at the Royal Court and countless more at venues such as the Bridge Theatre, Old Vic, Young Vic in the West End and many more. He has also designed events and exhibitions from the Viennese landmark David Bowie is exhibition to being asked by Danny Boyle to design the sound effects for the opening ceremony of the 2012 Olympic Games and having received a number of awards for his work. Reese, Natalia, Gareth, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Can we go around the virtual table and can you guys tell us about your role, maybe a few words about journey into the audio industry and maybe a few words about your connection and journey into Holoplot. Uh, let's start with you, Rhys. Sure. So, uh, yep, I'm Rhys. Uh, I am the performing arts and live segment manager at Holoplot. Uh, I'm currently based in London, but travel back and forth from Berlin and wherever else I I need to be within the world. Um, And I suppose my journey into audio started as a as a many sound engineers are just being really interested in music, being parts of really bad bands and all of that stuff. so um, when I was young, I uh, was really fortunate. I managed to get on a few tours when I was 17, 18, uh, as the, you know, the really basic patch boy or carrying the guitars from the truck to the venue as such. Um, and then from there, I uh, ended up going to university to study uh, audio engineering. At this point, I wasn't very sure whether I'd be live sound or studio sound or something like that, but I just had a sort of interest in in audio, really. Um, uh, so I went up to a university in Liverpool called Lippa, um, which was a performing arts college. I had no idea really about theatre or performing arts before that point, but I just went up there because they had some really cool mixing desks, basically. Um, and yeah, before I knew it, I'd uh, studied three years there, and then I accidentally uh, fell 
fell into theatre. So I ended up coming back down to London from where I was from uh, and started sort of my journey into theatre by just sort of getting a bit of work experience at uh, different sort of uh, high companies like Autograph and places like that and uh, ended up getting a bit of a work experience at the National. And then before I know it, I was uh, doing sort of sound and uh, yeah, just progressed through the ranks as such really, uh, working for a long time for a sound designer called Gareth Owen. Um, but yeah, that was sort of my journey into audio. And now finally hit a point where um, I've for the first time ever joined a, a manufacturer sort of uh, giving a bit of my experience of what I've had so far in the professional uh, entertainment industry and hopefully transferring some of them skills into uh, Holoplot as a loudspeaker manufacturer. Thank you. Um, Natalia? My name is Natalia Stepanczyk. I'm uh, looking after the uh, immersive and experiential applications at Holoplot. Um, I would say probably lucky enough that my job is, is really to connect the dots between the creative ideas that people have and our technology in this still kind of, I would say, somewhat new world of immersive audio. And I guess here by new, I would say, I mean, um, specifically the kind of outside of headphones aspect of it. So so the shared crowd experience of immersive audio. Um, so I would say the job is really to to get the word out there that uh, that there we, we now have that technology um, to allow people to create these new types of uh, audio experiences in the real world. Some of them perhaps possible in headphones. So you can now really place audio objects more freely in space. You can bring them closer to your face, further away from you and so on. Uh, to have this kind of very individual very uh, or shared actually if you choose to experience um in terms of how i got into this uh, uh industry i i grew up in a household where there were a lot of uh, homemade diy audio projects all around so uh, speakers guitars particularly so here a bit of nod to my dad um possibly that sparked some kind of interest in in sound in me uh at least enough to go to a um, music school as a kid so i studied piano and violin um i think a lot of us uh, i'm gonna sort of repeat a little bit uh, what uh, reese said in the acoustic consultancy world acoustic engineering world we often call ourselves uh failed musicians and maybe that doesn't apply to everyone. To me, for sure, I was definitely a failed musician. Still, uh, still play a bit, but um, I knew very early on that that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't take off. So um, I decided to uh, do a degree in acoustics. Uh, so shout out here to Salford University in the UK. Um, definitely, on a side note, um, I would yeah, highly recommend the course um, and basically a great place to study acoustics and audio engineering um, in the UK. Um, as part of the course, I spent one year in uh, at Genelec in Finland, so uh, working again with, or for the first time back then with speakers in the research and development department. Um, it was really absolutely invaluable uh, of an experience for me, uh, really kind of cementing that idea that I, I do want to work in the field. And and I think Genelec will kind of forever occupy some kind of a uh, special place in my heart. Um, people are amazing, um, ongoing inspiration really for me professionally. They, besides obviously the quality of products, they also uh, uh, um, just kind of look at their ongoing commitment to sustainability. I'm really super impressed to look up to them uh, forever. And um, I moved on from that a little bit besides the, the audio technology field into uh, several years of experience with um, acoustic engineering and consulting. So from architectural acoustics, um, so design of concert halls, performance spaces, uh, to more general building acoustics, noise control, environmental acoustics, and so on. And funnily enough, a bit of 
all of these uh, uh, fields I find useful actually in my work at Holoplot. So that kind of, um, it's interesting how that works. So kind of coming back to Holoplot working again for a loudspeaker manufacturer, let's say, uh, that understanding of architecture, uh, the in architecture integration of of designing PAVA systems for speech, um, for Ex I don't know, excessive noise egress from festival sites, all of these uh, different aspects kind of come together. And I've been with the company for four and a half years. Uh, my first project at Holoplot was the, the um, Madison Square Garden uh, Sphere, so MSG Sphere in Vegas. So that's opening uh, later this year uh, in autumn 23. And uh, I followed with with a um, another project uh, called Illuminarium Experiences, and there are currently two of them open. Uh, one is in Atlanta, one is in Vegas. Again, a very um, kind of taking immersive capabilities to another level at a larger scale. So both of these projects are quite um, quite important to us, of course, in in terms of applying our technology and learning from it. So my name is Gareth Fry. I'm a freelance sound designer and. Um, I started off uh, trained as a recording engineer um, uh, when I was a teenager, uh, doing adult education courses, decided that wasn't quite the right industry for me, uh, briefly tried out radio, and then ended up doing theatre, and I discovered that sort of connection with a live audience was one of the things that I really loved about sound. And so I worked in theatre for many years. Oh, I was very lucky. I studied at um, Royal Central School of Speech and Drama and got a summer job whilst I was there working for a company called AMS Acoustics, where previously I'd learned all about recording and MIDI and all that input side of things. And then at AMS Acoustics, I was fortunate to learn about loudspeakers and directionality and all those aspects of acoustics, which was very, very valuable, and learnt it in the field by measuring London Underground stations at two o'clock in the morning and things like that. And I've been sort of working in theatre for a long time, but always uh, my approach has been quite multidisciplinary and looking at other industries to see, uh, you know, theatre has always been a magpie industry where we steal bits that have been developed for broadcast and bits that have been developed for radio. And so I've always been sort of bringing other industries into my work. Um, and that sort of included binaural sound and game audio techniques. And increasingly over time, I've been doing more and more work in those fields purely as well, you know, working in binaural sound, working in VR and AR, and also doing sort of um, exhibition work at places like the VNA, who are always or often trying to create exhibitions that are more immersive themselves. Um, so that's kind of how I got to here. I've sort of come from a few different places, specialized, and now I work across many different fields. Well, very cool. So it's great to have all of you here. And um, let's talk about Holoplot. Uh, so what is Holoplot, and can you kind of describe the current product offering and why it's unique and exciting? We can also roundtable, or if anybody wants to take that question. Sure. Uh, what is Holoplot? It's a bit of a Pandora's box question, really, sometimes. But uh, no, Holoplot is a, uh, we, well, we are an, an audio company that produce um, loudspeakers currently. Um, our loudspeaker is what we like to call, our first loudspeaker is Holoplot X1. 
um, it's the world's first uh, matrix array. Uh, and what that sort of means to us is you're basically being given the control uh, to beam steer, 3D beam steer in both the vertical and horizontal axes. So to explain that sort of without using lots of hand gestures uh, on a podcast is sort of you can control where you want the audio within your space. Uh, maybe what's more important is you can also reduce audio in areas that you might not want it in. Per one holoplot X1 matrix array, you can also simultaneously uh, reproduce multiple channels of audio out of the same array simultaneously at the same time. So uh, a really easy way to sort of describe that is uh, if you imagine having, uh, say, a conference room and you have, uh, say, uh, French delegates on one side and, uh, say, English delegates on the other side, you could, from a single array, output uh, sort of French audio and British audio uh, simultaneously at the same time and you would both be able to hear it clearly in each zone and not be able to hear the crosstalk from the other zones or dramatically reduced anyway. That's a little bit about what Holoplot technology is. I guess it's maybe interesting to mention also where we started as a company uh, because the company's actually uh, has been around uh, since uh, 2011 so so over 10 years well over 10 years um, but it started really as a as a kind of a research uh, project maybe one could say uh, a few people in a garage somewhere uh, near Berlin uh, soldering um, PCBs enthusiasts I might say I think it's important just to note as you can imagine um, and uh, back then, perhaps there was no really a clear vision as to where it can go. It was very much the uh, the, the curiosity of uh, how we can utilize wavefield synthesis uh, differently. So the the approach to wavefield synthesis has always been a very specific kind of um, you know sitting in the middle of a, a round uh, setup of, of speakers point sources around your head. Um, and I guess the idea of, with Holoplot was to see if, if there is a way to, to do it differently. We talk often as, as uh, about this kind of curtain of, of, uh, like, uh, sound, let's say curtain of loudspeakers. Uh, again, it's hard to maybe explain this without uh, a lot of gestures and, and diagrams. But, uh, the, the, just the key message here is that the approach to wavefield synthesis with Holoplot is a little bit different to the traditional one. And I guess, um, in 2016, I think our current CEO joined the company and really kind of uh, restructured a few things and hit the kind of acceleration pedal to um, to really convert whatever the findings were of that research, that ongoing research, convert that into an actual product. So we, we kind of launched the current X1 uh, system, the matrix array in uh, 2021. And that's that's what brought us to where we are uh, today. And I suppose in terms of these kind of findings of, of uh, that research, that original research, the most groundbreaking, let's say, developments would be almost natural uh, progression from point source, let's say, to line array. And now we ended up with a matrix array. So we're kind of adding a new dimension uh, when you sort of think about it in this way. It's it almost like I said, feels natural that this is the direction to go. Um, we've tamed this WFS, um, so Wavefield Synthesis Beast, so it's more feasible to work with in real life, um, and you can really apply it to larger scales. And we've, uh, let's say, importantly developed what we now refer to as the 3D beam forming, so something that allows us to have high precision of, of control over sound, uh, over large distances and uh, really with minimum loss of SPL over distance, which is kind of an important uh, enabler to, to what we do. 
You've mentioned uh, a number of high-profile projects all over the world. Very recently, you also announced a project called Lightroom Installation here in London, and which Gareth has worked on. I guess, yeah, let, let's talk about the project case study in general, and maybe if you could tell us what made X1 the best product for this specific project. So the, the Lightroom is a new uh, building in King's Cross, uh, directly underneath the uh, Meta Facebook building, and it will eventually be a theatre um, in a number of years' time. But at the moment, we have the concrete shell, a very large shell of a building, and um, London Theatre Company, who are behind the Bridge Theatre in London Bridge, have this site, and they wanted to work with a company called Fifty Nine Productions, uh, creative producers. That you know, they started as video designers, but have since produced a number of um, VR. Uh, projection map shows and theatre productions. Uh, and fortunately for me, I've worked a lot with um, the Bridge Theatre and um, before that when Nick Heitner and Nick Starr were at the National Theatre. And I've also been working with 59 Productions from about 2006. And so they both came to me and were like, we've got this space, we want to do large-scale projection on all four walls of the space. It's a big concrete shell. It's got a reverb time of about six seconds. And, you know, we want to, um, you know, can you come up with a sound system for the Lightroom that will provide good sound coverage, not bother the neighbours upstairs, and be essentially invisible so that all four walls of highly reflective concrete could be an unhindered projection surface. So that was a really immense challenge in itself. Um, and, you know, just getting intelligible audio of any description in that kind of size space is, is an immense challenge, let alone doing something interesting with it. And, you know, my brief was that this had to work for a number of exhibitions of a number of different styles. Our first exhibition that we've put in is um, based around the works of David Hockney, which um, we've created with him, which has been really exciting. But um, I sort of initially modelled a few different types of sound systems in that space, you know, looking at whether we could do line arrays or lots of point sources in, in cavities of the wall, or lots of speakers around the bottom of uh, the you know foot level, and I wasn't really happy with any of the designs I was coming up with. It didn't feel like it was going to end up sounding very good. It didn't wasn't going to have very good coverage. You know the fidelity of it wasn't going to be very good, and that was bugging me for months and months after I'd submitted what was supposed to be the final design for the sound system. And every time I looked for an alternative way of doing it, I couldn't find one that met the brief. Um, and fortunately, that's when I was invited to an early demo of Holoplot. And I knew within about two minutes of being in that room that this could be the solution to all of our problems. And so as, as soon as I left the demo, I called everybody and put the entire design that we'd sort of been working on to that point on hold and Holoplot were sort of kind enough to arrange a special demo so that everybody else could come and hear it and hear the sort of many magical things uh, that, that it can do and and you know I think for me as a sound designer and content creator that's you know what's really interesting about Holoplot it you know it can it can do things that I've never heard any other speaker system do you know it's got a sort of a series of 
magic tricks up its sleeves that sort of seemed to defy uh, physics. But beyond that, it also gave us a sound system that could provide intelligible sound with very even coverage in a highly reverberant space and be out of sight. And, and that alone, it was worth its um, weight in gold. When I turned out for a demo, I was equally very impressed with the technical capabilities of the system. Maybe Natalia or Reese, if you could just take us through this virtual demo, if you will, and just explain to the listeners what kind of tricks, what kind of unusual things we're talking about for the purpose of you know audio podcast. If we can just maybe give people a little bit of a flavor, what kind of things you're actually demonstrating to showcase the technology. In terms of kind of walking you and giving you this virtual audio description, um, let's say, uh, to some extent, uh, version of our demo. Uh, what we try to do is, of course, uh, show off all the capabilities or at least all capabilities known to us at this point of the tech. And I think the what's maybe interesting to kind of mention that there are a couple of main pillars, let's say, that we usually talk about. And obviously, wave field synthesis and our approach or our take on wave field synthesis is one of them. Uh, what that means is we can create these virtual uh, sound uh, sources, and these can be placed not just, let's say, at the surface of the loudspeaker array, but you can actually virtually position them either far behind the array, or you can actually bring these uh, virtual sources into the audience. So in terms of the audience member, you would have the impression that someone's um, whispering, someone is really directly right in front of your face, and that whisper will be very realistic. Um, and you could be standing something like 40, 50 meters away from the array itself. So that kind of one of the, one of the, these, these capabilities is that what you can also do with those virtual sound sources, you can place them at uh, reflective uh, surfaces around your room. So this could be walls or ceiling or, or even you can bring in small, um, uh, let's say, wooden panels to reflect from. You can really be quite creative there um, and give people the impression that there are, uh, that sound is coming from places where there are no physical loudspeakers, right? So you essentially shoot a sound beam at a, a place on a wall. Um, it's a game of billiards, so kind of the same angle of, of incidence and, and angle of, of reflection. And it hits someone in within the audience area and they get that impression of, of uh, let's say, widened, uh, broadened uh, stage image. Or you can shoot that same uh, sound beam behind them and reflect of a surface behind them. So here you get really, really interesting results because someone standing in the middle of the audience area uh, is looking at the physical loudspeaker array, which is in front of them, but sounds are coming from all around them. So it's a very, uh, a very fun way to uh, to kind of play with with the virtual sound sources, right? So that's that's kind of one of the things we show. Um, we also show the, the, the 3D beam forming, and here um, we talk the kind of most functional, the most practical um, application here is the, the fact that you can have very uniform coverage across the entire audience area. So uh, whether you're standing right in front of the speaker array or at the very back of the room, uh, or let's say in a real venue, whether you bought the cheap seat or the expensive seat traditionally, uh, here you get actually the same uh, uniform, nice, uh, clear coverage of sound. So that's one of the things. And then we can also place uh, multiple uh, coverage zones, um, so multi-zones um, within the audience area, meaning that by walking a couple of steps to the left or to the right, you're kind of walking in and out of a completely different uh 
sound um, uh, zone, essentially. So uh, each of these can have its own content, its own EQ, its own level, and so on. So they're very independent in that sense. Um, I'm probably forgetting a few things we're showing off and I don't want to maybe give away everything because I would uh, love genuinely for everyone to have the chance to experience the demo. But these are kind of the main uh, the main things we show off. Yeah, and just to jump on the back of that as well, what Nat's saying about the the, the optimized coverage beams, uh, the less immersive side, but I think just as important is the fact that these optimized coverage beams can uh, sort of target your audio within your live environment or whatever venue space you're in and sort of really deal with challenging acoustic sort of situations by not reflecting off the walls and the ceilings and the balcony fronts and what have you, which I think was probably an incredibly important attribute of the technology for Gareth Fry's design at Lightroom in order to keep the sort of uh, vocal intelligibility of uh, Hockney's uh, voice uh, sort of intelligible throughout the whole whole piece which uh, I find is uh, maybe less sexy than all of this reflecting off the walls but uh, a really important part of the sort of holoplot technology. Yeah, super, super critical in that space. One of the reasons it's often tricky to uh, talk about holoplot is because it's a paradigm shift in how we think about loudspeaker systems and so the the metaphor I've been using uh, to talk about it is in terms of microphones. So, you know, we're used to microphones that have a fixed cardioid pattern in, and we're used to speakers having a similar fixed pattern. And I think what is interesting about Holoplot is it's more adjustable and software driven than that. Um, and so like the sort of analogy is that it's the speaker equivalent of an ambisonic microphone. So in the same way that, you know, you can record something with an ambisonic mic and you can run it through a package like Harpex and you can decode that into a figure of eight mic or into a binaural head, or you can, you know, set, uh, use it as a virtual rifle mic. Holoplot allows you to do essentially the same thing. It allows you to be both simultaneously a very highly focused, very narrow beam of sound into one area. And it also allows you to sort of flood another area with sound simultaneously. So I think that that's my sort of analogy for using it. It's more like a, it's the speaker equivalent of a directional microphone. I think just to absolutely add to this, I think what the kind of consequence of the fact that you can uh, very precisely uh, decide where to send sound and where to avoid, because this is kind of what we're talking about. We're really telling the the system, please cover this area. This is where people are sitting or standing or laying down on the floor in, in case of uh, a Lightroom, which I love, by the way, that people feel so comfortable that they just spend time there. This is the ultimate kind of experience, a very well-designed experience. People want to spend time there, right? Um, so we tell our system cover here and actively avoid the walls because we don't want to excite the acoustics of the space. We don't want the, the reverberance to rise. And, and again, as a consequence of that, you can start layering all these different elements of sound design on top of one another without creating, um, you know, unnecessary chaos, I guess, because in some spaces you would create chaos by just throwing more and more in to the mix. So instead of like a nicely layered cake with cherries on top, you would end up with every all the ingredients mashed together. So that's kind of what we what we what we can bring to the table. We can we can have this nicely layered cake with cherries on top. <laughs> so when you're working on setting these systems up, how many uh, kind of holoplot 
uh, are, do you call them speakers? I'm not even sure. Um, do you need to kind of, you know, really activate the space? Is it really just dependent on, you know, what somebody wants to do with the space? Or how do you kind of approach designing one of these systems and putting it into, you know, a, kind of an installation like Lightroom? Yeah, great question. I think a, a lot of the time, uh, uh, it depends on a lot of things, of course. It depends very much on what you're trying to achieve. Um, generally speaking, um, the more, so I don't know if we talked about if people have been on our website and have seen the speaker. I think was, we, we do call them, actually, we call them audio modules. Um, it, it, the, the hardware design is already very interesting. When you look at it, it's a kind of a matrix in itself. So every box is already has a matrix of, of loudspeaker drivers uh, within it. Uh, there is a module 96 and then that number simply rep represents the, the number of drivers within that. Um, the more drivers stack together, so the larger your matrix, let's say, um, the more control, the more precision you have in, in your, um, in what you can do then with your system. So we obviously look at a few things such as how much control in the horizontal, um, dimension do we need? How much we need in the, um, vertical dimension? So the more in the horizontal, the, the wider your array typically, the more um, in the vertical dimension, you, the, the taller the array. So in case of um, um, we've installed in a beacon theater in New York uh, recently, it's a very tall, but not a very deep space. So the array is taller than wider. So just guiding principles in that respect in terms of the system, system design itself. Hope that answers the question. I think uh, Nat's covered it pretty well, but also sort of an incredibly important decision to factor in is also frequency in terms of what frequency you want to control within your array size. So obviously the larger array, uh, the lower uh, frequency you can go down to controlling in. Um, so it's just an important sort of consideration, you know, uh, one holoplot X1 module will obviously do uh, all of our 12 audio outputs simultaneously from a single array and control in you know, the vertical and horizontal axes, but might not control down to a sort of frequency range that you might want. So increasing the, the range, i.e. the bigger the wave field, you know, the more frequency you can control down to a lower rate. So just a few factors to uh, sort, of, uh, sort of add when you're doing a system design with Holoplot, which makes it slightly more uh, interesting in my mind and uh, add some interesting thoughts. Yeah, and it's maybe worth describing, you know, like one of these modules, if you've not seen one in on the website, is looks the size of what I'd imagine a conventional 15-inch speaker cabinet looks like. But instead of having a couple of drivers in it and some crossovers, it's I think 96 small drivers and 96 amplifiers and DSP and Dante, is that right? That is uh, bang on, Gareth, yeah. So 96 individual drivers in RMD96. And then we also do uh, a second speaker in the X1 range, which is the MD80S, which is 80 uh, individually uh, powered loudspeakers within it and also an 18 inch iPow subwoofer in the back so that's our full range uh, modular such uh, 30 hertz to 20 kilohertz and then so for the light room we've got at one end of the room we've got a four by two array of uh, the audio modules so there we're going on for 700 channels of amplification to do this wave field synthesis and then we have exactly the same at the other end of the room so in terms of uh, fortunately the holoplot software uh, and the dsp simplifies that from a user perspective so that you're not having to address 700 amplifier channels individually you can you know send it as uh, you know, as few or as many 
well, not quite as many, but you know, uh, as you like. And the, the software is able to do very clever things with your one input signal to send it to the 700 channels of amplification to send, create a wave that does what it should. So kind of following up on that, Gareth, uh, creatively, you know, how has this influenced um, the work you've kind of designed uh, for Lightroom and has it changed your creative process at all? Or what, um, what does it actually look like to work with from a creative standpoint? To, to work with, it's quite a paradigm shift. So it takes a little while to get your head around these new concepts of configurable speakers and um, all that comes with that notion that you, you know, you're not necessarily putting speakers where you want sound to come from, but you have to consider where the speaker is going to be so you can bounce it off somewhere else. But it's, you know, it's, it really opens up a lot of creative possibilities because in the past, you know, we've essentially been limited to if you want sound to come from somewhere, then you have to have a loudspeaker there. And whilst we've had, um, you know, ultrasonic speakers in the past that have promised a lot and maybe not delivered as much, on sort of sound quality and the ability to go loud. That's something that Holoplot really does. You know, it's doing this incredible uh, computation to create these sound waves, but it's doing it in a way that sounds really good and goes very loud whilst maintaining fidelity at the same time. So having, you know, suddenly being able to bounce sound off surfaces opens up your ability, go, okay, actually I want the sound to come from one meter to the right of where it's currently coming from. And you can adjust that in software with a few clicks. Yeah, that's not something we've ever been able to do before. Um, so yeah, so it's, you know, it's really interesting, you know, and we, you know, I'm only just beginning to scratch the surface of how to use that. It's, you know, it's such a paradigm shift. I always ask this question um, and always get different answers. Is this um, notion of understanding the difference between creating a content for a brief regardless of where this content is going to be deployed versus as deep as possible, practically possible, understanding the, the hardware system and understanding the, the complexity of the software that comes with it that allows you to control the hardware and being within that space and kind of almost allowing the technology and workflow to influence your creative thought process because maybe then you would do content creation conceptually differently if you were familiar with the process. Mm. So I guess there were some interesting trial and error situation and discoveries. And I was wondering if there's anything you could talk about where you kind of uh, discover that something maybe translated really well, something you wanted to go back and redo because you suddenly realized the potential of the system mm. or maybe you were doing work in space in situ. One of the challenges we had on this uh, on this project was the construction of the building was going a little behind schedule, as is often the way of a construction project. So, you know, we were having to sound check this whilst people were sawing and hammering and drilling and sanding, which is always <laughs> not so much fun. But yeah, generally, I, you know, I think like um, limits on creativity and uh, is often a really sort of creative driver for me. There's often nothing worse than starting with a blank piece of paper. And so often knowing your target platform, whether it's binaural sound or unity object-based panning or whatever that might be, that often drives the whole process. So with this, it was quite a, a sort of different process because I was completely 
unfamiliar with you know sort of uncharted territory um, working with a system like this. So uh, for me, I've sort of started off going, okay, what can I do? How can I achieve it? Holoplot have been super helpful in helping me come to grips um, conceptually with what the system can do and you know where its strengths are and you know you know like bouncing sound off walls for example you know it is magical but we still do have the laws of physics still at play so you know that there's only you can only be directive down to a certain frequency before um you start having artifacts so uh so with the david hockney exhibition as working with a composer uh and he was really good at delivering lots of stems for his music. Um, and we were able to try different stems to different parts of the room and using different beams and trying playing with the different ways of reflecting off sound off surfaces. You know, that's a whole new thing for us to discover. And so finding out, you know, which types of musical instrument reflect better. I guess when we first invented well, we, when stereo was sort of, tech, stereo recording techniques were being developed and we were like, okay, this is a drum kit. You know, you know, we've sort of ended up with this place where we, you know, we typically pan the kick drum into the center and we have stereo overheads and, you know, we pan the toms around a little bit. And, you know, there's a sort of known conceptual way that works of how we use that stereo panning to make a drum kit sound nice. And, you know, we have similar ways of using large-scale uh, PA systems as well. But Holoplot, because it's kind of uncharted territory, it's a new thing to discover. Okay, how? Do, what can I send there? What works best as a reflection? What works well as a sort of fully optimized thing? Because the Lightroom is quite big, um, sort of in the order of, I want to say, 40, 50 metres. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there you're getting into the sort of distances where the speed of sound is an issue. So if you send the voice out of um, one side of the speaker, uh, one side of the room, it's going to travel 40 metres to get to the other side of the room. And if that same voice is coming out of the speaker that's on that side of the room, then you have a time discrepancy between... Uh, the voice arriving from one speaker and another, yeah, which is why often we don't use surround sound in large-scale arenas and, and places like that. So there was a sort of lot of discovery of, um, you know, how can we use this new way of distributing sound around a space and also some of the sort of classic problems of large-scale sound in space. The music was recorded... Uh, off-site in recording studios and in the usual manner. Um, Nico, the composer, sent us stems to work with. Uh, and so we were able to mix those stems in the space um, and, you know, not just mix in terms of volume, but also in terms of spatial dispersion. So that was very interesting. You know, we started off with a space that had a reverb time of six seconds. Uh, one of the technologies that I used to sort of help uh, Nico understand what that meant for his music, which involved a lot of dense rhythms, was to use altiverb and to record an impulse response into 
uh, into that and then share that preset with Nico so that he could model, you know, what uh, sound in the space sounded like remotely from it. He was working in New York at the time. Uh, so, that, yeah, that was you know, a nice sort of use of uh, alter verb, a sort of, I, I was going to say almost say a conventional technology, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I think speak yeah, speakerphone and alter verb are quite sort of, you know, very interesting technologies, which I know you talked about in the earlier episode. I'm not even going to go into trying to pronounce Arjun, Arjun's name. Um, I know, just know I did it wrong. Um, but yeah, uh, we did a lot of sort of mixing and trying out of the content in the space, finding out where we needed to thin the stems down a little bit, experimenting with sound effects and things like that. Um, there's a lot of, you know, the, the visuals of the projected on the wall are very evocative visually. So finding out where to use soundscape and sound effects within that, um, and you know, where and when to send those sounds around the rooms that, you know, if a scroll is in unfurling on the East wall, then we can send a beam of sound to the East wall with a sound effect of a scroll and, unfurling for example we were able to do the majority of the uh, editing and mixing process in the space using the system and finding out its capabilities and finding out about the acoustics of the room itself um in the space which was you know super valuable and you know it would have been very difficult to uh i think it would have been very difficult for me to understand how the system worked and how it interacted with the room in any other way I'll just tag on to the back end of that, which I think is really interesting, is that I think the exciting bit for us at Holoplot now is that it's really exciting that people like Gareth Fry are using this product and experimenting with it in that way. Obviously, we've taken it to a point of, you know, getting it in front of people and letting them use it and experiment with it. And now there's sort of fun bits starting, especially for me, uh, looking after sort of the performing arts side of the world. It's uh, just letting, you know, Gareth Rye and other sound designers of his ilk just to sort of experiment, play and and come up with these ideas and feed it back to us. I think that's the now exciting bit. We've, we've really got to that stage, which is really fun for us. The David Hockney exhibition at the Lightroom is, you know, the first of many and, yeah, we're sort of in the process of working with some musicians to uh, look at doing some sort of music-led exhibitions next. And I think those are going to be where we really get to grips and really sort of uncover some of the really interesting things of what we can do with Holoplot sending um, music around the space and using it in a really exciting way. I'm really, really looking forward to exploring it some more. Yeah, completely. And it's interesting to see the, the type of space because actually when you think about architecturally, that uh, room is is very much of a uh, concrete box. There are very few uh, short moments in the, um, uh, in the exhibition itself where the content is very bright and you can just about see, just about realize actually I'm in a concrete box. I think it's, it's kind of remarkable that... Um, that with all the projections around you, you can completely miss that because uh, from speech alone, you would expect uh, the the sound for the room to sound very, very different. And you, you really kind of forget it. You don't even notice it because it's, it's intelligible. And uh, yeah, there's nothing stopping uh, the, the future shows being even split shows where half of the room is, is experiencing something different. Uh, it, it could be used very creatively, right? So we can create zones within that. We can... We can target individual 
people with sound. So it's very, there's just so many different things that, that I can think of. Uh, it's really like a blank canvas, isn't it, in terms of the space itself? It's quite exciting that Gareth can sort of go offline and reconfigure the beams within our software holoplot plan and sort of do that in his own studio, his own space, wherever he wants to be. He doesn't necessarily need to be in front of the system that and then sort of just reload the file uh, without moving any of the physical hardware, just doing it all via the software and the DSP uh, and then just sort of allowing a really sort of flexible sound system within that space, which I suppose is going to be massively important moving forward within Lightroom with the, you know, the future projects they have planned within that space, uh, just allowing the audience member who may have been to the Hockney experience before but has come to the new production and experience a completely different sound design not just from a content aspect from actually from a localization perspective and you know completely different sound fields and wherever you want to be within the space uh, but that's all done via software and there's no physical hardware that's had to change within that venue space um, sort of I find quite exciting and hopefully should allow the audience member to get a different experience uh, every time they come back for the new show what Reese is describing here is sort of basically enables us one day to have the David Hockney exhibition or perhaps even in the morning and in the afternoon have a completely different um, exhibition which to the audience's perspective has a completely different sound system but for us it's just loading up a different file into the into the holoplot system uh, for me as a freelancer I'm already sort of thinking of how I can use it in uh, other work that I'm doing. The, you know, the, the amount of possibilities to use it in theatre to send different sounds to different parts of the auditorium with different delay times and things like that is 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 truly groundbreaking. And um, you know, for exhibition sound, it's you know amazing the things that you can do. You know, and I do a lot of exhibition sound, and pro one of the big problems in exhibition sound is often about how do you get sound in this area so it doesn't spill into this area and you know how do you have these areas as loud as possible without spill from one zone to the other and you know that's exactly the sort of um problem that holoplot is able to tackle i'm curious what the difference in mixing or kind of creating is from working with Holoplot to somebody who's maybe used to working with spatial audio softwares that are currently out there um, and mixing for spatial audio just kind of in a more um, object-based approach. Um, is it similar? Is it pretty different? You know, if you're used to mixing in maybe a, an object-based format um, compared to, say, mixing on a, a Holoplot system, the, the outcome can be relatively similar, but the process could be very different in terms of maybe what you're used to. Um, whereas, sort of, from my previous world, I mixed on a, you know, a variety of the sort of industry standard object-based systems. And, you know, you're obviously working with a sort of a window of opportunity and you're positioning audio instruments within that window of, 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 of opportunity that you've got and that sort of creates your space in your spatial audio system as we all know holoplot is a very intelligent and very clever loudspeaker system i think is important to mention in you know you're defining where you might position audio within the space using our virtual source technology or or creating wavefronts that are, are maybe quite unique to that and then how you say maybe take your content into a holoplot world is really defining up to you and how you want to process that it's about where you position the audio within your live environment or your space and what audio you send to that uh, is the key. Um, 
in terms of you know the actual beam itself the beam is just an audio channel when it comes to holoplytics one you know uh, whether you have three beams coming out of a single array they can just be uh, you know audio channel one audio channel two audio channel three maybe audio channel two and three can be reflecting behind you and audio channel one is uh, a source that's sort of covering your whole area you sort of define that you sort of have ability to control and scape that where you want it to go I think everybody on this podcast is now incredibly excited to hear Holoplot in person. So with Lightroom right now, you have uh, how, how long is the current show going on? And, you know, what are kind of the future um, shows that people might be able to see? And then where are some other places that people might be able to experience Holoplot? Current show, which is David Hockney, Bigger and Closer, Not Smaller and far, Further Away, is booking until the 1st of October. Um, and I'm not in the position to be able to say what will be coming in the future, but there will be more stuff coming in the future at an undisclosed time. And, you know, uh, like I say, being able to rep with the, the current exhibition. Um, so we're, we're just, you know, going in to do some overnight sessions in the next few weeks to start playing around with some people who I can't talk about to look at some other things that we're going to be doing, which is going to be really exciting. Yeah, now I'm excited too. And in terms of sort of other opportunities outside of Lightroom to hear Holoplot, we have, you know, multiple installations of Holoplot X1 throughout the world. Some that are coming to mind are, you know, if you're based in New York, we've got a, a very different use for Holoplot X1, but we have a large uh, system in the Beacon Theatre in New York on Broadway, which is predominantly used for bands and concerts and comedy and stuff like that but uh, you know it's a straight up rock and roll venue basically uh, so there's an opportunity to go and hear the system there also with uh, quite a large project opening later on in the year which is a uh, Madison Square Garden Sphere we're doing a, an extremely large installation to that that venue as well but also um, for any user that wants to maybe experience a demo of the system or something like that uh, feel free to sign up to uh, our newsletter on uh, holoplot.com there we sort of usually ship out all of the sort of upcoming demos throughout the world and bits and bobs and keep you up to date with uh, any opportunities to hear the system. Thank you. What is the process of getting hold of the right contacts and being able to um, discuss things in more detail and maybe arranging private uh, demos to see the technology? Basically understanding the whole process a little bit deeper so that those who are interested in exploring it further and potentially utilizing it for their future projects can get in touch and ask the right question. So, yeah, if any uh, anyone's interested in getting involved with uh, Holoplot, we have quite a sort of large network around the world now where people can uh, sort of at least experience it or get hands on with the system. Uh, we have a few uh, audio partners sort of uh, around the world. Uh, our main ones being uh, Creative Technologies and uh, Electronics. Both of them are global partners. Um, CT, Creative Technologies specifically, also uh, have rental systems. So, you know, if you do have a project for a short term sort of idea, then CT will have a, a rental stock that they could you could look at hiring or off them and also feel free to obviously contact uh, creative technologies in terms of if you are interested in experiencing the product i'm sure they'll help you out and uh, guide you through that also if you just want to get uh, stuck in and maybe hands-on with the with the software holoplot plan it could be a good way of uh, understanding different topics like beam types and integrating the system into your venue etc so yeah feel free to jump on our website we're currently running uh, onboarding sessions sort of a, an hour-long session that sort of teaches you how to use the software gives you 
use uh, example projects to work on just so you can get to grips with the software. Uh, typically, we do that with a sort of a one on one online session where one of our uh, education team will sort of teach you very quickly how to use the system. It doesn't take long, no longer than an hour. And yeah, that could be a really good introduction in just how to get stuck in and just sort of understanding a little bit about this sort of this new way of thinking, like what Gareth Rice mentioned earlier on a bit of a paradigm shift in terms of how you might normally configure a loudspeaker system. So uh, for, yeah, good point to start off with the software, learn a little bit about the software, and then obviously either contact uh, someone from Holoplot or one of our audio partners uh, to maybe get a little bit more hands-on with the system. Yeah, and to find out more about Holoplot, of course, visit our website. There's quite a lot of information there already. Uh, but of course, that that uh, might not be enough. And we're always very happy to hear people's ideas and uh, questions. So absolutely get in contact with us. Um, and we would be more than happy to, uh, to guide you through for this new exciting technology. We're obviously very busy this year, specifically with the opening of Sphere in Vegas, but that doesn't mean that we're not um, um, working on all other fronts. Um, I think most importantly, we're very excited to see finally that um, our um, systems pop up basically in different locations and different applications. Uh, we haven't even touched the kind of more, uh, uh, more let's say, functional applications for speech, which are we're uh, achieving incredible results there also. So I think the most uh, the most kind of closest future is really seeing uh, the system being used by different people. Um, here, I mean people who are very experienced with sound, but also very fresh people who have never really worked much with spatial uh, audio with, or with, with, with sort of designing systems and so on. And uh, really learning, they are learning from us. Uh, we are learning from them because we're seeing people who haven't, who are not, who don't have to unlearn anything. They just kind of take it as as their own and and show us what they uh, kind of cooked up with it. So it's very exciting in that respect. Uh, and of, of course, yeah, we'll be um, definitely running um, demos in many different locations. So absolutely sign up to the uh, newsletters and and follow us for, for more updates and news. One question that we always ask our guests at the end of the podcast, um, and it's just what piece of advice can you give to people who are hoping to work in immersive audio. We can round table it. I want to hear something from each of you. I think coming from my personal experience, I would say um, just because we are, we are uh, Holoplot is a company that's, that's really about having immersive experiences in the real world, as opposed to kind of uh, having them in your own headphones and with other wearables. I would say, a little bit of knowledge on how room acoustics uh, work and a bit of kind of theory behind there always is useful. Um, and I think that's kind of on that on there what you can do. And the second thing is definitely don't be um, afraid to experiment because I think certain things we might have learned about sound and I'm, I'm I'm kind of speaking from experience. I thought I knew how sound works and then I heard Holoplot and I thought, okay, I don't understand what's happening. So actually certain things we've learned in the past uh, that that obviously still apply absolutely, but there are certain things that work a little bit differently potentially now with systems such as Holoplot. So so maybe just um, the advice is 
be brave, I guess, and experimenting, really. I guess uh, my bit of advice in terms of uh, immersive audio is uh, that immersive can mean uh, sort of very different things to very different people. And maybe jumping on what Gareth Fry said about different industries having different ideas about what immersive and what spatial audio is. Um, I also think it's incredibly important to focus on the narrative and the story that you're trying to tell rather than maybe getting too bogged up with the the tech or the sort of that side of things you know use the technology to support a fantastic story and i always think that will create the most immersive sort of audioscape rather than sort of looking at that technology and trying to build a sort of uh, narrative behind it i think that will always help use your, use your technology to support uh, a fantastic story or a fantastic piece of music i think will always always uh, hold and stand up against the test of time i love that thanks for that reese <laughs> that's great my my bit of advice is to look across multiple industries because the sort of revolution of spatial audio and immersive audio is happening in multiple industries in different ways and they all have tools that you can bring to your particular interests so you know there's for me there's interesting things happening in VR and game audio with Unreal and Unity and things like that and spatial audio engines in there that I'm bringing to use in theater and exhibition design. Um, you know, there's stuff happening in AI. Um, I've just been recently using this new uh, machine learning noise reduction app called Hush, which is going to revolutionize how we use production audio from films and tv and on location recording and things like that you know there are so many different technologies happening so you know look look further afield than your field would be my bit of advice brilliant advice from all of you guys well thank you so much for joining us today it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you learn a huge amount of stuff no doubt our listeners will too when they listen to this episode thanks again and take care thank you so much thank you cheers thanks thanks goodbye thank you so much if you enjoy the podcast and would like to show your support please consider becoming a patreon not only are you supporting us, but you will also get special access to bonus content and much more. Find out more on our official Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash Immersive Audio Podcast. You've been listening to the Immersive Audio Podcast, hosted by Oliver Cadell and Monica Bowles. This episode was produced by Oliver Cadell and Emma Reese and included music by Rhythm Scott, Got an idea for an episode or want to comment on something we've discussed recently? Drop us an email at podcast at 1618digital.com or find us on Twitter at iAudioPodcast. If you've enjoyed our show, head to our page on iTunes and leave us a review and rating. It really helps us out. Visit immersiveaudiopodcast.com to access show notes and other episodes and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.